Off the ball. If it was me, you'd absolutely love to be 17 up as opposed to being 17 points down. There's no upside to being 17 nil down at that stage, you know? It's a shocking start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Right, you're very welcome back. Uh, Billy Perth is with us. Finny, good morning to you. Good morning. How are we doing? Uh, Philly, get outside. Um, a, a font of information on football, uh, check out Football Daily, has made a very good point that a couple of weeks ago in studio you outlined how to beat Shamrock Rovers and they've lost twice since. It's all down to you. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Blueprint. I'm not, I'm not sort of uh, that welcome in Tala, so um, I didn't need Phil adding to it there either and, and letting people know. Um, Jesus, help me out. Um <laughs> Yeah, look, I think you're getting, a, or we're getting a wish. Um, to be fair, we've got a real league title race. I'd like to think even down as far as Pats in 29 points, who would be you know five off the top of the league, are thinking. And I hope people have the right mindset to say, does a league up for grabs this year potentially, and it might be the year where Rovers fall off, and uh, we've got to push on. And as a club, I hope they're thinking that way. That's the way winners should think, and I hope that's the mindset of other teams in the league but yeah it's it's I don't know whether teams are overachieving in an underachieving league I, I just don't know where we're at uh, I look at this Rovers team and I say 18 games they've played so we're halfway through the season and they've only won 9 half of them so by and large that shouldn't be good enough to win you a league and at the moment there wouldn't be obviously they're a point behind Derry but um and and I, I I never compare eras, but you go back to 2017, and Cork City after 18 games would have been were on 44 points. Right, Dundalk, ten, ten so clear, ten yeah. clear. Dundalk in 2018 were on 42 points, and the bit of shit show that I managed in 2019, we were on 38. Uh, but to give context, just pick the 2019 season because I know I'm talking about on that one. We had just started a 26 game unbeaten run. And that's what champions do around this time. June, July, August is when they win the league. So the point I make is Rovers be under pressure back in them. Now, you can't compare leagues because it's debatable. But the point I make is, um, and it's why I've brought up Derry a couple of times to say, this team winning 50% of your game shouldn't win your league title. So this team have to kick on now or else... Um, be, or, or Derry have to kick on and really put them under serious pressure but there's questions to be answered you have to say that um, losing uh, or, or dropping points in 50% of your games is not good enough at the moment and you have to, you have to sort of ask questions why Do you think there's been a consistent theme in the games they've lost because early on at the start of the season it felt a little bit like they were just there was red cards and there were uh, players not fully in form and they just hadn't settled and then they settled and looked like they turned a corner and now they're having another blip which is unusual uh, I, I, th- I think it's to be fair I think it's been a mixture of a lot of things I think I I would question whether this team is clinical enough okay in terms of for the amount of possession they have and they're brilliant and people people will wax lyrical about them and it's and, and again I, I know I'm repeating myself and people have heard me say it, it is that sort of we call it a Man City way. It's possession, possession, possession. And uh, how many clear-cut chances are they having um, in games? And it was one stat from, from the draw of the game, which they lost, where they 20-something, 20 20-odd 20 shots. But generally, um, 
and we, we'll do it in the next couple of weeks if this continues but they're generally just shots on target is down in single figures in four and five mm-hmm. um, and it, that's not that's not going to win you enough games of football and it can be easy to defend against that if if it's all in front of you in front of you uh, it's and, and teams will say well, they're getting bashed uh, and, and it's about so if you're an opposition manager and you're playing Shamrock Rovers what you've got to do is you've got to get into your player's head that you might have the crowd up you might have them have possession they might bounce the ball around they'll switch play little little ones and twos but while it's in front of you and it's not going in behind you you've just got to stay calm and that's the problem not all players do that and they, someone will jump out and go and press a guy leave a little bit of space in behind and um, so there's a mixture of all of them things, and discipline has been an issue. Whether you know whether referees have made the right calls or wrong calls, they've had a fair few sending offs, and they lost three players on the pitch in Cork the other day. And you can't win games after losing three players for sending offs. I saw someone saying on Twitter last night: Shamrock Rovers are averaging a red card every three games. The last five seasons of the English Football League and Scottish Premiership, only Hamilton in 19 and 20 came even close to that. So, like that contextualizes just how poor. Yeah, discipline stuff is well. Look, the the refereeing in a league is a different issue to this one, I think, right? Because what what you've got to look at, um, and Stephen Bradley made reference to the draw of the game. Same referee sent off five of the players, three in the court game and two against Drogheda. The two sending offs in Drogheda were justified, right? So Lee Grace jumps in on a yellow card, makes a bad tackle. No one in isolation would say that wasn't a yellow yeah. card. But when you when you group the five of them together, you say this ref has given us five. So the three the other day, the appeal to Richie Tell one. So the linesman gives that decision, and uh, Rovers put a camera in their goal. So that ends up on the internet, and we see the incident. But I can clearly see. And by the way, so Richie Tell used to be called my love child around the change room. So I would not say a bad word about the man. He was he's been huge for my career as well, and um, and I'd like to think I helped him in a small way. So I wouldn't, but. He's given the referee decision to make. The two two players fall to the ground. Richie sort of kicks out. Player holds his head, and people have seen this online. The linesman's looking across, and he, a decision to make. The referee didn't give the decision, so it was a red card uh, decision made. The mistake ref gave. The ball was in play, so if that is a foul, it should have been a penalty to mm. Cork. No one has really brought that up. And then the other two incidents are second yellows, okay? And I can understand Rovers' frustration on them, but what is key to it is when Johnny Kenny, who's a young player, has come back from Celtic, and I I think he's exceptional forward, but there's a little bit of petulance in Johnny in in, in terms of when he's been taken off and different things. He's on the yellow, makes a silly tackle. And the key to it is, the key to to what happens is... um, if you watch the incident, Jack Bourne has a right go off him because you gave the referee decision to make. Mm. Now, the Sean Horwin, same thing. Sean makes a, a tackle, player goes down holding his ankle. To be fair to Rovers, most referees will go, I've, I've sent two off, have a word with Sean and say, one more, and maybe it is. And that's why I don't like questioning referees on second yeah. because you don't see the whole sort of... I, I was in Richmond, so I wasn't at the court game. And when I watch it back... But Jack Bourne absolutely hammered Sean Hoare from giving the referee decision to make. So discipline has to improve from the teams in our league, but there's no doubt then refereeing standards have to improve. So it's 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 quite a, a mixture of, of all of them things. And what Rovers have done is they should be close to 40 points and have a comfortable 
you were speaking earlier on about giving young players a chance mm. well I tell you what if you're Rovers now you're not giving young players a chance in a hurry until you get your lead back yeah. and that's the key to it and that's where the, the average age of the very top teams like Celtic like Rovers like is generally the highest yeah. in the league because you're under pressure to win games every week the, the, the one positive I guess for Rovers is the home game tomorrow night against Dundalk probably couldn't come against better opposition Dundalk haven't won in the last three there's a bit of a I don't know I guess the fans aren't overly happy with yeah. management and owners. Yeah, this this is a story. I think Dundalk bubbling underneath. So I was at Richmond Park the other day and Pats against um, Dundalk. And what I seen in that game was I seen Richmond Park and I have to say to touch on, on Richmond Park real quickly. Like there's a guy there, Keen Menton, and it's a small point, but the mascots he looks after them and it's just a, a volunteer in the club. But he brings them on a the lap of honor before. The, as the players goes in and you get a standing ovation I was just thinking to myself imagine being 8 or 9 yeah. and you know that that clapping fans thing is something you take for granted as a footballer but actually it's something that's kind of special like and people talk about professional footballers did he really you know you know the way they see them with the hand yeah. in the bottle maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. but these kids love it and you're going that's that's when clubs have cracked it because these are becoming you can see these kids like they're loving it but um, so but the atmosphere and everything about Pats was really good. The stadium, over 4,500. It was probably the worst travelling support I've seen from Dundalk at a Pats game in over 10 years. Right. The fans have uh, drifted away. And we and I always make this reference. While, while everything is growing and growing, got to be careful we treat our fans with respect and, and, and make sure they keep turning up. So um, Dundalk... Has Stephen O'Donnell made mistakes as a manager? Yes, uh, absolutely. And he, he's the type of guy who would admit that all managers make mistakes. Football is about fine margins. He lost the game the other day 2-1. Uh, Pats had a man sent off in a bizarre incident. Again, going back to referees, but bizarre incident. And Dundalk are down to, or Pats are down to 10 men. Dundalk are well in the game and get beaten again. And, and just look like they did a soft belly and maybe tactically Stevie would think about one or two decisions and they went to a back three and chased it and conceded but Dundalk are in a lot of trouble at the moment off the pitch peak six the owners of Dundalk were ran out of Irish football uh, put a huge amount of money into it and did they make mistakes? Absolutely uh, I was part of it uh, one of the reasons I went back is I felt and they they they, and I've always kept Dundalk stuff private. I don't believe in writing books or, or you know, because what goes on, you know, you're managing a business in a football club and it's not for for repeating stuff. But one of the reasons I went back at the time was I felt they'd learned a lesson. I felt they'd, they were willing to improve things and they got ran out of town. So, but what's happened is the hurlers on the ditch sometimes get off the ditch and start hurling and people have found out actually running League of Ireland clubs is really difficult and there hasn't been a single improvement in that club since peak six have left and it's reflecting on the pitch and it's 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 pretty it's pretty sad to see um and our while stevie o'donnell has taken some responsibility for stuff on the pitch i actually think he's overachieving with that with that group of players he have and i'm concerned for dundalk uh, things aren't going well for them, and um, it's and yet they've only lost six games. Yeah, I like, think he's overachieving. Yeah. yeah, and and again, sport is full of fine margins. So they play Shamrock Rovers on Friday up in Tala, and I think if they win that game, you know they go up to fourth potentially. European spot isn't that far away, but 
remember, it's only a ten-team league. Mm. You know, forty f- percent uh, of the league win a European spot. So yeah. it's not. I'm not saying it's not difficult, but it is achievable. A lot of stuff is achievable within the league. They don't feel like one of the teams who could go on a run at the moment and catapult themselves into European places, or do they? <sighs> Don't know because we, we spoke about Sligo a couple of months ago and then they went and, and just continued to lose and then they go and beat Derry the other day. <laughs> and the, the challenge I have is you see you see teams now in the league. It wouldn't shock me if any team outside the top two lost four in a row. wouldn't shock me. But it also wouldn't shock me if any of them went and won four, four in a row. So it's it, 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 it's such a, a mixed match. And... We don't know. That's that's the sort of debate that's starting. Is is the standard too high? You look at Sligo. I think up until last week, and I haven't seen the stats after last week. So you imagine it's still the same. They made they were the second most completed passes in the league, but they were toured from bottom. So you know, is there a is is football changing a little bit where it's pass pass pass? Well, I don't know. Uh, Go back to Roscommon in Dublin. Is yeah, I was say. <laughs> is is this? Um, is that a, a team who is discovering itself and and like building something, and then over the third ha- third quarter of the season and the final quarter of the season they begin to, uh, or are they trapped and they're lacking a cutting edge and they're they're incapable of converting the possession? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, d- I don't know how to answer that because you're probably right in terms <clears throat> of they are a team that were brought together a lot of guys from outside of Ireland. I think they brought in ten players and eight of them were from outside of Ireland so and what I mean by that is sort of uh, wherever different different parts of the world so um, not like uh, and this uh, I'm trying not to make a lazy comment here but English Br- British football can be quite easy if they were coming from English football as in League 1 League 2 yeah. champ- or um, even lower than that conference because it's quite similar but they have a lot of guys coming from further afield um, so I'd like to think John Russell has a plan and it looks like to come together they've been exceptional at different stages but the other fear is and come away from Sligo second is are teams forgetting how to um, go and uh, I had a friend watching Shells and Paul's on TV and his, his comment was and he'd be a real football person for one better word but when he rang me on the way home I was coming from uh, Richmond we were just checking in on how the games were and it's like, does no one put the ball in behind anymore? Does no one like, and and it's like pass for pass sake. And I sound like a dinosaur, or uh, I'm only out of league a year or two. But you're like, football is has to be careful. It doesn't become sterile. Interestingly, while you say, or or Irish sport is discussing the the whole sort of dubs or common thing, yeah. you have to be careful that you you're easy on the eye and not creating more chances. Going back to Rovers. You know, do they do they get enough of the fullbacks in behind or the wingbacks? And for it's a it's a debate that's starting to happen now because, as I said, possession for possession's sake, or looking pretty is one thing. Yeah, but you, actually haven't gone win games. But you'd hope that somebody. Uh, so I presume Stephen O'Donnell was thinking that when he went to the three at the back, it's like I'm going to go and try and win this game, and then it doesn't work, and you get punished for it, and so you automatically then become more conservative afterwards. And yeah, that, not to second guess O'Donnell, but. The, the key to the key to when a team goes against ten men is generally hurt them in wide areas. Right. Okay. So have two wingers and two fullbacks, and go that way. Okay. But 
that that's my view. Okay. When you go the other way, it's all and central. Sorry, one last thing on the, on the point there: if, if the league is becoming this uh, passing and kind of boring, sterile, uh, then surely there's room for some team to emerge and and be counter cyclical. Like you you do the opposite of what the whole league is doing, so you're going to be effective yeah. against and almost I, everybody. And I think I think it's it's not becoming boring in one sense, as in you're getting lots of good results and t- yeah. and inconsistencies. Okay, but actually when you when you and, Watch and the full 90 minutes. When, when you completely tactically analyse it, or so th- there's a, a group going through the pro licence at the moment, so they will be doing a little bit of this, and I, I'm sure they will be you know, looking at certain things. But I think Bowles do that at certain points. I think sometimes they've gone away from that, and the other night they sort of... Bowles do that a little bit of where you've got your Dylan Connolly's up front, your Alfa Labby's up front, and uh, Twardick or whoever it is, and a little bit of pace up front. And... Um, in any football, whether it's the highest, highest level international football, what what is key is is pace. That's what hurts teams. And if you're not quick in modern day football, then you better be bloody good. You mm. better be Xavi or Iniesta yeah. nowadays. Or, yeah. you know. So it, it it is becoming a running game. We haven't spoken about Derry. Yeah. It's just a flakiness with Derry at the moment that would frustrate you if you were a Derry fan or even like I'd love to see Rovers have to chase somebody down because I think that'd be really good for everybody I think that would inspire them to be more aggressive and we haven't really seen that we haven't seen them need to be aggressive to win a league yeah for me for me that's the key to the whole league can Derry can Derry put Rovers under pressure and and I, and I say that in the sense of, of as many friends or ex-players in the, the Rovers dressing room as I do in the Derry dressing room so I'd be very close to McElhenney and Duffy and Dummigan uh, as I would be Dan Cleary was another one that was called one of me loved childs as a coach <laughs> as you get like you were a busy players. man yeah. I tell you what uh, Tell or Gannon Sean Hoare so I, I don't have a particular one that I want to win the league but I want what I do want to see is I want to see a competitive league as in someone pushing yeah. somebody and we haven't seen that and the, the challenges are for Terry um, they were they've been Good at different stages, particularly away from home, but against Sligo, and I think Rory has spoken himself, they were just, just weren't good enough. And Sligo, the man, crazy, John Mann, centre half, sent off crazily, but they just didn't penetrate enough. And again, it goes back to me, me, my last point. Just have to be careful, you're not easy on the eye. Like they've got some outstanding wingers in, in Graydon and uh, Michael Duffy. Michael Duffy's probably. He's up there as one of the best players in the league. I always say wingers, because they, they have to tuck themselves out on the left, don't get the same plaudits at times. But they've got some outstanding footballers. Getting Patrick Magellani back into that midfield is huge. And there's no doubt injuries have affected them. But I suppose you use the right word. There's a flakiness about them in terms of results. It's Captain Obvious over here, but obviously to, to win a league, you need to create chances and score goals. Ali O'Neill doesn't strike most people as a natural striker again. I think they had one shot on target in that game against Sligo as well yeah. I know Colin Whelan has been sidelined so that's an issue in, in and of itself but creating chances is the issue isn't it uh, scoring goals scoring goals it's, it's, it's a bit of it's a bit of Duffy won't score you enough goals if he remains fit Duffy will get into the sort of 10-12s but there's no doubt they, they have searched for that striker Patching's form has dropped off a little bit so he creates a huge amount of chances Patrick McElhenney's being injured so it looks like Jamie McGonagall is in and out of the team at the moment whether that's injury we don't know but it looks like I mean there is a shortage in number nines in, yeah. in football, like, and um, 
across the world and it's definitely the case in our league the best striker is probably Pat Hoban and, and at Dundalk and then followed by Gaffney who's had a better season than Pat last year and then beyond that you're looking at young Johnny Kenny but you're probably struggling for out and out Max Matter has had a great season for Sligo but we've a huge shortage of goal scorers mm. and again I'd find it hard to play up front for some of these teams because it's it's pass 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 and um, you'd like a little bit more service and um, like there's no, there are no Glenn Crows or Trevor Vaughan's in the league at the moment, are there? Like proper goal scorers, uh, Jason Burns. Well, I, I'd say to you, Hulban, but like outside of Hulban, he's gone. Like in the game the other day, Pat's gone in different areas looking for the ball and trying to link up, and he's not being the centre forward because his team aren't good enough at the moment. So outside of Pat Hulban, I would probably agree with you. Gaffney does some things but he does them slightly different we've a, we a shortage in number nines and people want to know why I think I've said it before but we used to play 4-4-2 so your law of averages means we're now playing with one striker and from all the way from under 8s all the way up so your law of averages tells you is from 8 years of age you're only working with one number 9 now as opposed to 2 so statistically you're not going to develop as many yeah difficult to fix that with like you want to get more people more time on the ball more touches at underage level but also you want to show them the killer instinct so I mean I don't know maybe you can convince some of those wide players to play through the middle as they get or, from or maybe going back to going back to your your debate around the GEA maybe you just let kids play well what do you think of this because uh, play 4-4-2 so so be it do something different as a coach don't follow Pep Guardiola um, the underage soccer is way more competitive at, at 8s, 9s, 10s, 11s than yeah. GEA is that a good or a bad thing do you think? Um, see I think it's a good thing right but does, 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 a, does a, a lad on my shoulder shouting at me going <laughs> what about the participation what about getting the, just getting the kids out so it's finding that balance and it, it is I think it's, it's so difficult because because so you're thinking from the elite professional yes. side of things, right? Yes. And that's, um, but there needs to be somebody else thinking about actually we have a sport that has mass participation already, but for whatever reason we're not producing enough players. I would say to you, to be fair to the FEI, okay, don't know the whole ins and outs of it because it's not rolled out yet, but they're looking at a, a sort of calendar year around football. So, for example, summer street leagues are similar. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yes. So, and and give you one example, and it's not going to do the FA's report, but you take, if we were able to switch certain sections of Irish football to even closer to summer football, so take December, January, really awful months in this country. Yeah. It used to be November, it's sort of December, January. If that became your futsal, local sort of time, yeah. futsal is a brilliant tool to develop players' skills, touch. So obviously, for those who don't know, futsal is it basically a, a small ball it's like size 3 it's smaller mm. than your four indoor halls all little touch 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 uh, bouncing ball around and it's almost like Spanish football yeah. to use it sorry, right so how do you get players good at that give them two months of it in the middle of the rain and winter and in so many of these halls that have popped up and school halls and uh, community centres and run little leagues around it or or whatever the case may be. So I think that would be one small fix, but it's such a big thing for them to get in. So I think the FEI would like, when I say calendar year football, so it's not about flogging the same coaches. So you're coaching a Cherry Orchard under 13s. Like I have a friend coaching, I think it's under 14s. And he said to me, because he's listening to our debate, and he's saying, but I need a break now. He's not saying that 
he doesn't want to work in the summer. He's like, now I need a bit of a break for a month or two. Yeah. It's about when that month or two comes Well, that's around. what I was saying. If the break happened around Christmas yeah, in yeah. January and it was dark and annoying to go out at night, everybody would be like, oh, this is great. I can sit yeah. and watch telly. Whereas in the summertime, it's actually easy to get everybody to go out. And so people are going to be on holidays. But the results ultimately shouldn't matter. Like, yeah. that, that one trophy that that under-14 team won is not the crowning moment of their life. Otherwise, we end up like Friday Night Lights where... No, so I, I give you an example of how football, and now I'm going back a long time, but I played for probably the greatest Cherry Orchard team of all time, as in trophy-wise. We won everything. We won the Milk Cup as well. So that, that That's under 14. Under 16. Under 16. So okay. back then there was only one. We, we beat Rangers in the final, mm. okay, uh, in a sold-out cold rain, maze and all that stuff. We, we 10 Irish internationals in the first under 15 squad and all that stuff just but outside of Barry Prandeville myself and Eamon McLaughlin and I was genuinely and I'm not saying this for uh, an X Factor crying I was one of the worst of our, our squad I never made international under 15, 16 with guys gone all over England for, but only three of us became in any way shape or form so all the trophies we won all the league titles we won, the domination. Like we won the league one year, I think it was under 15, by dropping a point. A point. Right. And we only won it by two because Belvedere dropped three points. Right. They lost it once to us and drew it so us. In theory, the standard is really high. But actually, it's not really high. It's just that there's super focus on competition and winning as opposed to developing the players. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a mixture of all, and it was a different time, right? So development was different yeah. in terms of uh, the league one pathway or whatever. Okay. But the point I'm making is, it's not about winning the trophies, but you have to, you also have to teach that as well. Like it's a bit like there's a there's a job in football called the front post hole. Okay, most people know what that is, but if you don't ke- teach kids that, and if you don't teach a fella how to do that role. And he goes on trial, say, for example, to England. And the man says, I want you to do the front post hole. And he's standing there, front post hole. So mm. you have to educate young kids that's about... skill acquisition. Yeah. But I don't think that's about winning and losing. And so you can teach everybody the front post hole at under six, under seven, okay, under nine, but, I think. But that, that's just one small example of you've got to teach a kid how to be clinical. You've got to teach them how when we're tuning up, we go 4 nil up. Yeah. And then the game's over. Yeah. So when do you do that? Do you well, take off your best players and give other players a chance? But, and that's the debate. I'm not... I'm not saying that's what I would do in the goal games they, they play matches yeah. so, so they play matches and the kids are keeping score and they're also up against their yeah. their nearest rival or who they're marking mm-hmm. and they're very intently marketing, marketing them it's just that there's no league and so more players will reach under 12 ideally with yeah. more skills acquired and then then I, I still think it's still a bit early to be well, like, I, tr- I throw this one at you then and the joy of the game is dead now you must go and kill your opponent we, we, we need a debate with probably the head of um, performance in, in Irish rugby Darius Sharon I, I may not have given his right title but he worked in New Zealand for a long time and obviously in, in sport but there, there is you, how many kids do you think would turn up so you turn up and you get a band so if there's enough for four teams you get four different colour bands Okay. and you play you just turn up no teams no no structure and it'd be, un, it'd be say under 10s 11s so I might have a red blue green orange and you just you go you're assigned to a pitch and you go play the reds play blues and you play four matches and just I would I would think parents would turn up and sign up to that with the kids because mm. it's 
about playing. Oh, it's totally. about getting involved. And even some really Sorry, good kids. Are you saying that's up. what rugby do at the moment? No. So that was a, a pilot they run in in New Zealand. Okay. Okay. And uh, Dara has done a, a thesis on that around uh, education. It'll be interesting to get his views on it. But when I heard that, and um, unfortunately. Dara's brain works completely different level than mine, right? So I, I I have to sit with him and discuss it. But actually, just the bare bones of that idea is brilliant for a local community. Where the other thing about like I, I live in City West now, right? So it's and not to go on a, a rant here, but there's been a big community built in City West, apartment blocks everywhere. I moved up 15 years ago, fields everywhere. If I wanted to set up a team called City West FC or City West GEA, I cannot do it. You know why? No, no fields. It's gone. Now we've to fix housing mm. crisis. There's no fields. So there's no communities being built. And to go back to this band thing is, so imagine my son is playing on the pitch. And let's, let's say I'm just a normal Joe from Tallet, right? Go back to what I am, right? My son's playing on the pitch with a yellow band. And the local doctor's son is playing on the pitch with the yellow band. All of a sudden I've built a relationship with the local doctor. And that's how the GAA works. That's how... But we've got to get back to that. And it's such a good opportunity. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And, and go to go games with all sports. And people love football. Like, yeah. it's just, I, I did, there I was talking about this a couple of times this week. I did see a kid being shouted at. And maybe it was just because the dubs swear more by telling the, the kid to you go. Can kick well, it in. They're allowed to apparently. Shane, though, yeah. Shane, give me what you use. use I'm go, I don't know what their culture is. Is that a, a not a nice <laughs> he, term he anymore? Thinks, he thinks he's not. Well, I'm a townie from the country. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Still a you still have it. your own lingo. Ta- oh, we do, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. me to feck off in culture language. There is a word you I would just have. say feck off, I. Hey? Nah, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. You do. See, you're, you're using the feck. There's a subtle difference. Yeah, this yeah, kid was yeah, not yeah. told to feck. Well, I'm being politically correct. Yeah, all right. Okay. Probably can't say what I would say with my mates. Come here, we're almost completely out of time but uh, you correctly said uh, in the ad break that Anne should take the, se- the, the Spurs yes, job absolutely and by the way um, I, I won't go into it but maybe some other time we discuss it the way he plays football if Kane stays would absolutely sue Spurs if, if, if he stays if though. he stays of course he plays with a front three tactically he's brilliant mm. okay but I'm sorry I'm going to upset a lot of people and, but he could get bored with Scottish football quite quickly. Fair enough. And I think tactically, the way he plays, he plays with a front three. Um, his number eight joins in number ten, and his wingers make inverted runs all the time with the ball. And one of his midfielders come out, and he, he's brilliant at the way he does it. I actually think tactically, he suits Spurs, and the likes of John Duggan would be happy because it's entertaining. It's a, so you think Richarlison, uh, Son, and Harry Kane? He actually would play the three of them mm. as three forwards. Or two wide areas and come up with all different solutions he is uh, an outstanding coach and I actually hope he gets the sports job because I think he'd, he'd I, I like clubs to, to kick on I think he'd be a top four he deserves the money at Spurs he deserves a top job and there's no doubt Spurs is a top job I'm just concerned for him that the mess that is Levy and everything off the pitch he doesn't like a man over his shoulder I, I don't I don't know is that overplayed I don't know. Is it overplayed? And what? Yes, Daniel Levy hasn't done his business right for a year or two. But I tell you what, they're one hell of a successful business that I'm sure they will have money to spend. Um, no debt, no significant debt that prevents no. them from uh, obviously this revenue stream debt, is there yeah. with that ground. I, I see it happening. So we'll we'll have to go. The dub will take his stance on it, and you mm. being a 
culture. Logger will, will, yeah, yeah. will look Logger, that's it. That's that the word you're logger. looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, have, we, we got there eventually. Jackie's over here. Look at this. Really good stuff. Thanks, Thanks very, very much. much. I'm not a Jackie. I'm not. Jackie. I'm, no, uh, no, uh, of course. I was in the last 10. So you're County tail, Dublin, so man. Now. Now. Kildare's County Dublin now. Hey. <laughs> Careful. We'll, we'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.